Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. This week, I am joined by Andrea Smith. What did we say you were now? Tech guru. I think we said tech guru. We've settled on tech guru. <laughs> Andrew's joining us via phone yet again. I'm going to say it's because it's negative 100 outside, um, and she didn't want to make it into the studio. So she's joining us by phone. And today we have a really special guest. We're hearing from the dads today. We have Lance Sommerfeld, co-founder of City Dads Group. And we're going to cover a bunch of topics since we have a dad in the house. We're going to finally conquer. <laughs> Yay! Going to add a little testosterone to the mix. Um, so we are going to talk about the Dad 2.0 conference, which just happened in San Francisco, which is for dad bloggers, but I think is of huge interest to dads everywhere. Dads are hot, right? Dads are like the new thing. Dads are a hot topic. <laughs> they really are. It's cliche. They keep calling it the year of the dad, but that's every year they do that. So I know. It's kind of like the year of the woman in Hollywood. Like, really? If that would be the case, then people would be nominated for things. But <laughs> otherwise, the Oscars did just happen. Maybe we'll talk about the Oscars a little bit. Um, and we will also talk about uh, City Dads Group, which is Lance's online dad. It's really like a community and forum and resources. It's really cool. And then we will have our digital dilemma, which Lance brought to us. This is like the all Lance show today, um, which I love about unplugging. And then we'll have our parenting bites of the week. So let's jump on in. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me on the show today. So glad you can make it. Um, So I've known you for a few years, mostly because you guys started out as NYC dads group. Thinking local. Locals where we started. Um, I was in corporate finance, left for a better quality of life into education. When I was in teaching for five years, my wife and I made a conscious decision for me to be at home. And when you look online at the number of resources, at least if you rewind six years ago, there was, um, you can count the websites on your hand for fathers. And there was nothing locally as far as a group. I'm an extrovert, and so I called my buddy Matt down in Battery Park and said, I'm going to create a meetup group. I don't want to be by myself. Will you join me? And so, two in my mind was a group. And that's how NYC Dad's group was born. It was just two of us dudes having lunch while our babies were sleeping <laughs> um, at like a Big Daddy's diner. And we've evolved. We, um, we're now 1,200 strong locally. Wow. We get together about four or five times a week um, with dads on the playground, dads at the park, the Met Museum, the Natural History Museum. We do workshops in the evenings for uh, all types of dads, but we do workshops on potty training, car seat safety with Britax, and um, toddler tantrums, (laughs) happy, healthy sleep habits. You know, we just had the NYC sleep doctor talk with us. So, you know, dads really want to be educated. They want to be hands-on, capable partners. And so we're helping them steer in that direction, as well as offering these guys just an awesome community, um, both online and even more importantly, offline. It must be hard, I would think, as a stay-at-home dad. We had one stay-at-home dad at our nursery school. um, And I remember everyone was a little awkward around him. And and which is interesting because I will say I I was also one of very few stay-at-home moms. It was actually all nannies Mm -hmm. and like me and him (laughs) and one other mom, Um, which is also a weird thing. So 
I would imagine that's one of the first sort of questions and issues you guys get is like, how do I do this? How do I, how do I find my comfort zone being a stay-at-home and, dad? And how do you find your people? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's why the group has been so great. You know, I was faced with three main issues when I became a new dad. One was a lack of resources and community, and NYC Dads Group became that outlet. And now we're able to offer that same robust burgeoning group type of experience in 16 other cities, and that's why we've got City Dads Group now. Um, so I wanted a community. I knew that I was going to be faced with these moments when I've lost my sanity and I needed to vent my frustrations, and so um, how was I going to handle that? What kind of mechanisms to cope would I have? Um, and so the third thing was just time management, making sure that I'm still caring for myself while I'm caring for my baby. And uh, I am very fortunate to have a wife who was all in. Um, even though I'm the at-home dad, she is um, an extremely uh, hands-on, actively involved partner. And so we've been a high-performance tag team of two for since the get-go. So do you think your wife struggles more than your typical working dad with her like mom guilt or that stuff? I don't think so. I, I think I think she's very good and thoughtful about how what her limits are, how she can thrive in the workplace during the week, knowing that our son is in really good hands um, on the home front, whether he's sick, she has a quick work trip, a late dinner uh, with a client. So, you know, I think she's she's kind of in her comfort zone and her colleagues know that, you know, if she has to work late for a deadline, like she can do it. She's um, doesn't have to find quality daycare. She already has it. I think also, you know, she realizes that she's going to miss out on some of those everyday moments. Um, whether it's the first word, something like a major milestone, or just my son and I laughing together at an inside joke. So, you know, she still gets jealous sometimes. I, since uh, mm -hmm. she went back to work, I had to send her three photos. Uh, that was like my minimum. And so if she got home and I didn't send like two or three photos, she got on me. Uh, but that was our way of kind of keeping her involved and having her see kind of through our eyes what we were up to. Yeah, that's so funny because I remember um, the times like when my husband would be home, like let's just even say like between jobs, unemployed, whatever, how bananas it made me. Mm -hmm. um, because you have your routine, <laughs> you have the things you do, and then all of a sudden they come in and they're asking you about everything and where's this? Or what are you doing today? What did you do? You know, right. Um, and I know your wife's going to be on maternity leave soon. Um. <laughs> that is that is really like a, another honeymoon. I, I, I said it from the first time we were off together. So my wife has nearly four months. Um, unfortunately, it's not all paid. But she has up to four months that she can take off. And she That's takes amazing. advantage. Yeah. You know, I, I think when you look in the grand scheme of a 40-year career, what's the extra two weeks or three weeks? Um, you're never going to have this time back when they're at this age where mm -hmm. they really need and rely on you. And especially with the first baby, neither of us had a lot of experience handling a newborn. You know, we were in that we were in that camp where, you know, if we drop it, it's going to break. Right. You know, how do, <laughs> how do we handle this properly? And uh, my wife, you know, obviously was going to be very interested in work life. And I, as an active dad, kind of reflecting on my own 
experience being at home with a, a stay-at-home mom and a dad who worked most of the time, I that kind of helped craft the type of dad I wanted to be. And so when you have all these crossroads coming together, um, yeah, I mean, the four months for us to cry together, to fail miserably, to pick each other up, um, but find that channel of communication or over-communication, which is really what we needed, right? to be able to share responsibilities, find our strengths. It was so important. I, I actually can't wait till we're home together again. That's I have a question for you. So, I mean, I think what you did is amazing, finding, you know, a group of dads and finding other people that you could hang out with and bond with and just kind of do things with. But do you think that it's really limited? I mean, I know my son was born over 20 years ago, but I had the same issues. You know, I lived in the suburbs, kind of, sort of. And just finding people who you could share information with or go out to coffee with or go sit in the park with was really hard. So, you know, the, the, the group that you've created and the fact that it's expanded is amazing. But Thank you. do you think that just dads are benefiting from it or do moms benefit from stuff like that too? I, I do. I mean, when I look at the, uh, if I were to look at like a T-chart of like where the moms are and where the dads are, and, and again, I'm just rewinding six years ago, but every search I did, you can find, it, and it, again, New York's a different animal. We're a huge New York metro area, but there were mom groups in, multiple mom groups in every neighborhood to the point where you can actually join a mom group with a child that was in within one week of your, your own kid's birthday. And I was just happy as a dad to have like a three-week-old and be hanging out with the dad of a four-year-old and a nine-year-old right. just for that sense where I wanted to be able to know that what I was going through was a phase and these guys were really giving me some veteran advice. Um, so I do think that, um, especially when I look at the parenting venues that are around, certainly out in the suburbs, um, that offer you know these drop-in uh, new mom lunches or... Um, just the breastfeeding classes, the birthing classes. There's a lot of ways to find it. I, I'm finding now as my son gets older, a lot of it is found through um, through the school where, you know, mm -hmm. at pick up and drop off, you start bonding with some of the other parents in the classroom. But yeah, those, those first couple months were so hard for me. Um, and I did start to have this community to help me out, but it still wasn't enough. I was still, um, you know, you talk about uncomfortable. So the 92nd Street Y is a couple of blocks from where I live on the Upper East Side. And it's such a, an amazing place with uh, a wealth of information for new parents. So they have this Wednesday morning class from 10.30 to 12. And their parent center director, Sally Tannen, she tackles a different topic every week, whether it's baby and sleep, returning to work, getting fit, introducing solids. They would have a circle of new moms uh, not nannies usually, but new moms. And there would be 40 or 50 new moms in this room, breastfeeding, having their kids on a, you know, on a little blanket doing tummy time. And then there was me. <laughs> um, and I was that like fish out of water. But I found such comfort being in a room of the, these new parents that were going through uh, the landmines that I was facing. And not that Sally didn't do a great job of facilitating, but it felt so good to be in a room where as bad as you thought you had it, someone else next to you had it worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like I found comfort in that. 
Yeah, I think that's so true of like all new parents, right? You don't know what you're doing. You're looking for community. I mean, I had twins, and I was, I was miserable <laughs> because and I loved them. But I mean, I couldn't. I didn't have any um, outlet, and I would see all these moms being able to just like push their little stroller down the street and go into a store. I couldn't do any of that. This giant honking double stroller. I was wearing one. You know, it was just so isolating. Um, and I actually didn't like the twin groups because most of them. Again, we're nannies. Right. Um, and I... I couldn't fathom having twins. I, I really... <laughs> Luckily, we were my first, so I didn't know better. Um, <laughs> but I think that whole... It's interesting. I think in the city, you can be amongst so many people and still feel isolated. And I know that it's worse in the suburbs, really. I mean, because you don't have... My cousin would say, you don't have that sort of serendipity of just meeting someone yeah. at the playground. Sure, and you of, get so isolated. You get so it's socializing. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Yep. So I think all those, it's interesting because I think when I had my daughters, there was nothing online except for um, Urban Baby, which was just a cesspool of crazy negative like insanity forums, forums mm-hmm. exactly, on everything everyone was doing wrong. Um, and maybe the beginning of Baby Center. Like okay. it was, you know, it was almost 13 years ago. Yeah. So I still get my Baby Center emails every week. <laughs> on your your son is now six. He's. <laughs> Wants to sleep over a friend's house, you know, like, here's what to do. Right. So. They don't have that for 12. They're not like, now your daughter wants to be on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should do. <laughs> um, but it is really interesting, that growth. And it's it's interesting that there really still wasn't something for dads even six years ago. I mean, that's so many years later. And I think the whole um, dad movement has really caught fire. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? There have been articles about that women have become breadwinners. There's that whole movement. So, or just the realization that maybe one of you wants a parent home and you just kind of both look at your careers and take a cold, hard look and forget the gender thing and say, this works for you, this works for me. Um, And maybe that's more happening in the cities than in other places. I mean, I think we're starting to see it not only nationally, we're starting to see it internationally. And um, I, I mean, if I just rewind the past year, um, the White House had their first ever Working Family Summit. Mm -hmm. And as part of their Working Family Summit, they actually had a small satellite uh, working dad, you know, a working dad summit. And they invited uh, about 150 dads to the White House to talk about how dads are raising their hands now. And they are really interested in creating flexible schedules, in figuring out ways to um, be better at taking paternity leave. And, you know, the bottom line is they want to be more equally successful, both in the workplace and as a dad. And so to hear this come to the government, um, it was it was amazing. So I, I think we're, we're just starting to turn the corner here um, outside of the month of June when everyone says, right. hey, here's the dad that can change the diaper and feed the bottle. Right. He's a hero. Um, you know, when you look at the commercial ads that just took place over the Super Bowl, from the car ads to Dove Men Plus Care's Real Strength campaign, yeah, you know, where they featured guys that I know personally, real dads from around the country, and they put them in the spotlight in front of 110 million people or 120 million people, um, highlighting those small everyday moments where dads are involved. The 92nd Street Y I mentioned before went from me being the only dad in this parent center every Wednesday. They just had their first annual uh, dad conference. You know, I guess it was their third annual parent conference, but the title was Why Fathers Matter. So 
you know, I think outside of June, we are starting to see more information, more research is being done, I think, most importantly. And the research is saying that dads are interested, that dads are trying to be um, involved in the upbringing of their child. And so, you know, what's next? You know, how do we get there? Right. It's an interesting conversation because I think um, there's... I've always there's a realization too for women that change will not happen in the workplace if it's only women asking for it, right? Change is only going to happen when the men start asking for that time off or flex time or whatever works out, or single people start asking for medical leave, like yeah. whatever it is, right? We all have to be in it together for it to happen. I think that's the key word is together. Yeah, I think couples are starting to ask those types of questions. Dads no longer want to be the idiot or you know, the boob on in the media. And when they are, it's actually their wives and the moms that are starting to notice and saying, no, that's not what it looks like in our household. So right. why would you do that? Those were the commercials just three years ago, right? It was yes. like the dumb dad or the dad who puts the diaper on backwards or the... Right. You know. Or my husband used to say, like, he refused to read the Berenstein Bears ever to our son because it was always, you know, Mr. Berenstein Bear, I forget his name, Papa Bear, who uh-huh. was just the doofus, dumb dad <laughs> who could never figure anything out without mom. Um, and, you know, and that's just such a bad message. But here's the interesting thing for me. So I worked at a, a tech startup, a tech website for a year, and I find, you know, Rebecca, you talk about uh, change will happen when everybody asks for it. You know, I think there's still the women there, myself included, who would sneak out like 20 minutes early, you know, and, and say, i got to get home, my kid's in a play, or whatever it is, and it's that guilt, and please don't judge me, but I'm going to go spend time with my child. And when the dads did it, when they would send an email and say, my kid's in the school play tomorrow, I won't be in until 2 o'clock, or whatever, it was this rah, rah, you oh, you're such a great dad, you're going to see your kid yeah. in the school play. And I feel like that needs to change a little bit. It shouldn't just be rewarding dads for taking time off. It should be creating a balance so that all parents can do that. Certainly creating a workplace where you don't have to live in a stealth mentality either. Right. Where, hey, you know, like, where, where's John this morning? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. And he's sitting at the four-week appointment for his newborn. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I think it comes from our colleagues actually supporting and applauding when we do take leave. Um, And when we see it from our supervisors and senior managers, um, I go back to the case of Daniel Murphy that we saw last September, who's the um, player on the New York Mets, who, you know, they were expecting a baby. It just so happened that the baby came the same day as opening day for the Mets. Uh, Major League Baseball is the only uh, pro sport that actually has a formal leave policy. And it's only 72 hours, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but he took advantage of it. So he missed the first two games. But here is like a guy who actually made the All-Star game. So, you know, he's kind of in the spotlight. And he was very intentional and thoughtful and said, no, everything stops. My baby's coming. It's never going to happen again, or it might happen once more. I have, you know, a season ahead of me. I have a career ahead of me. This is what was important. So I think when we see more examples like that, or uh, Hunter Mahan from um, the, the Canadian golf tournament that he was playing in about a year and a half ago. He was winning the tournament. The purse was uh, a million plus dollars. He was ahead after the second round, and the same kind of thing happened. Wife said, hey, I'm having the baby. He withdrew from the tournament. Um, I'm not saying he would have won the tournament, but it just shows um, that it's not just the everyday dad. 
some people in the spotlight are starting to also demonstrate and lead by example. And I think we need to see more I of that. I think that's probably the most important, right? They can most afford to. Right. <laughs> so they should be doing, they should be taking advantage more than anyone. I know, we need like a president, right? We need our first president who's got to take a paternity leave and then, then we'll see what happens. Well, I know we were just talking about like the Dad 2.0 conference, which yeah. I just got back from yesterday. And um, they announced uh, as the in the closing keynote that next year it's going to be in D.C. So it'll be very interesting to see 300 or 350 of your top uh, dad influencers and brands and certainly journalists and media professionals to see if we are able to amplify that voice. I think you can't pick a better city in the country to try to show um, you know, who we are, what we're about. And uh, even the Dad 2.0 conference, it says dad, but there were plenty of moms and mom right. bloggers there supporting... Uh, kind of the same message that, you know, we're mobilizing. We found our people. And so, you know, dads from every walk of life and from all, you know, dads of all stripes, gay and straight and single and married, these guys have stories to tell. And so they're starting to take to the blogosphere. And now, you know, there's, there's thousands of dads writing about their experience, which again, doesn't sound like a whole lot. But when I had four or five blogs that I followed five or six years ago, that's a significant change. Yeah, I think what's interesting too is how brands are noticing. Um, and there are ones, you know, obviously sort of pandering a little bit and there are ones doing, um, doing, I don't know, better a better job at, at showing what fatherhood's looking like um, without the pandering. I thought that Nissan ad at the Super Bowl was horrible. <laughs> thought that it was basically like be an absentee dad right right almost die on the track and then when you finally get your act together your son's grown up and they're playing cat's cradle i mean it couldn't have been like a worse it was such a bizarre way to go about it and i yes. think exactly what you don't want for a dad right to just be away the whole time and then miss out on your son's childhood and i think they were on the right path i think they had some mixed messaging that it could have been so much more powerful yeah um, but yeah, but that's why I allude back to like what I saw from Dove Men Plus Care, and I'm like, that hits me in the feels. That's what I want to see. Um, you know, you look at the toothpaste brand uh, Oral B, and their commercial, the power of dad. Uh, you know, and it, like it gives you the chills. You know, the the hair on the back of your neck sticks up. Um, I think while we're seeing it, the, there's a new fact here. So Dove Men Plus Care just did some research um, after their Father's Day campaign, and. Uh, nine out of ten men believe their caring side is actually a side of strength, that it helps define our masculinity. Yet only 7% of men globally relate to the depictions of masculinity in the media. So that's 93% of people that don't agree. And, right. you know, they didn't even talk to our wives. Um, <clears throat> goes back to, like, the Olympics with the Thank You Mom campaign, which I thought was brilliant. And it was so successful, obviously, they just keep doing it. But you can't tell me that there aren't some wonderful dads that were shuttling those children to practice, that were shuttling these athletes or actively involved in there. So, you know, I, I think we have a lot more room to go, but we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think um, it is interesting how many athletes have uh, single moms. I think that's part of it, right? Which is Absolutely. the other side, of this other flip side of this equation, which is recognizing dads, but also... Um, forcing dads to step up, right? Still statistically, you have a lot of, you have a lot more single moms out there yes. um, who aren't getting help. 
Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So let's talk a little bit about Dad 2.0, because sure. I think for the general listening pop, they're like, a what, a who? There's a yeah, dad I'd love conference. to hear how can people get involved, where can they find you, and what do you do? Um, so for me, you know, I'm City Dads Group, so they can find us at citydadsgroup.com. Um, but what was really neat is for the last four years, they've had a Dad 2.0 conference. <clears throat> Excuse me. A, uh, a meeting of, you know, dad bloggers, brands, and media professionals, basically. And they get us all in, in one room. Um, and I love that it's it's a really intimate conference. I went to blog her a few years ago. I was telling this to you before, and I just felt overwhelmed. It felt impersonal. This is really personal. It gives you an, an opportunity for that kind of Jerry Maguire experience, that close personal attention. And so, you know, dads this year, we, we all kind of converged in San Francisco, uh, which is great for tech. Um, and so for me personally, now that we've got these city dads groups in 16 major metro cities, Philly, Boston, Chicago, LA and San Francisco and Albuquerque, um, to have all these guys fly from around the country, for me it was a really reunion of city dads. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's so nice to be in a room with people who understand the message that dads are engaged, that we want to be actively involved in our kids' lives. and. Um, you know, to be able to have conversations with people that get you, it, it's just such a comforting feeling. You feel like you are in the right place, like you found your people. And so, you know, there were some great workshops like any great conference has. Um, it was really nice to uh, hear a workshop about uh, dads in the media or when something goes viral, you know, like how to handle it. Um, great to hear like Dween uh, Richards, who does Daddy Doing Work who had that um, spectacular photo of him uh, wearing a baby carrier doing his daughter's hair. And, you know, he was like, I I don't know why that went viral. If a mom was doing it, it certainly would have had, uh, you know, maybe 10, 20 likes, a couple comments from friends. But because a dad was doing it, um, something just took off. And, you know, to hear these guys give perspective, if um, are they happy that it went viral? What would have they done differently? Um, so to hear dads that are now being featured in the media, um, you know, how do they respond to it and how to effectively work with brands? You know, more and more dads now are doing sponsored content on their websites, um, but we also don't want to sell out to these brands. And so making sure that a lot of people are on the same page, if you're going to do sponsored content, don't do a piece of garbage. Right. Make it a piece of quality writing, maybe even better than you would normally write. Um, and so, you know, that was a big conversation, too, that was woven through the conferences, how to work with brands, how to keep the authenticity to your own voice when you do that. Um, the, the closing keynote was hilarious. They had Jay Larson uh, by Esquire magazine, and he just did some comedy stand up. But his uh, key takeaway um, as I, I, I remember, I was sitting there, and you're in an auditorium with maybe 300 people. I was tweeting something that he was saying. And when you go to a conference like this, they want you to crush a hashtag. They want to be trending. Right. So I was typing something, and he looked at me and goes, why are you tweeting? And I was, you know, like, 
I don't mind being in the spotlight, but I was like, well, I thought you had something funny to say. I wanted to share it with a wider audience. And he said, let me give you one piece of advice right now. Unplug. And so we don't hear that enough because we're in this digital age where we're, um, we can be connected whether um, we're with our children on the playground and we have our smartphone, whether we're in the air and we connect to Wi-Fi when we should really just unplug and unwind and take advantage and read a book at that point. Um, so that was also an interesting lesson to hear whether I was embarrassed or not, but to kind of get that message through. Well, that's interesting because that was sort of our digital dilemma that you brought to us this week was how to unplug or how to be more present. Yes. And um, Do, do we want to rewind home? for one Let's more minute and talk about Dad 2 and uh, I guess from a digital perspective since we're on the yeah. show here. Um, I thought I was blown away with Pick Monkey. I don't know if you guys. Oh, that's, we use Pick Monkey for everything. So, and I Pick feel the same way. Pick Monkey and Canva. That's our yeah. two. <laughs> so, Pick Monkey was there, and they took uh, a bunch of parents on a uh, photo tour. And then when we got back, they had some user experiences where you know you can really manipulate the pictures and just the ease, uh, the simplicity of using their tool yep. is um, really ch- re- it's changing the face of how to put a photo out there um, with your personality, Yeah. whether it's humor or serious or trying to put a message. I think even just creating uh, your basic family collages in a really beautiful way yeah. um, that can be shared just among regular people. People can't believe how easy it is when they do PicMonkey. Really impressive tool. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting, you know, these conferences, I think for people who haven't attended them, it's, it's sort of hard to describe why You'd have an expo hall full of brands who are there to really engage and talk to basically parent influencers. These are bloggers, Instagrammers, pinners. Um, And I think part of it is because people are looking to dads online and moms online as their resources now, more than experts, more than parents magazine. You know, they're really reading blogs and diving in. And because there is that relatability, you know, you were a dad at home, like I have no community, I gotta start one. And now there's all these dads out there who that would be a huge resource to. And so I think people um, who aren't aware of why these conferences exist, like that really is it. And that really is this whole basis of how parents are connecting online. And there are some thought leader parents among them, um, you among them. And it's a a great community. It is, I I think as an attendee, um, and I think also from a brand perspective, it's getting harder and harder, but you need to find that balance now when you go to um, a conference like this to keep focused on some of the content and the panels and the workshops that you want to attend. Um, You do want to talk to some of the brands um, and you want to try to get some messages out there, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sound too brandy. Um, But uh, what I find most interesting is kind of the experiences that some of these brands are going above and beyond. So um, I thought Lee Jeans did a great job this year. so Doug and John, Doug French and John Pacini are the co-founders of this, and they they get it. They they they're really tuned in to what's happening in the dad space, and I think the parent space in general. Since John's wife is Carrie Pacini, whose um, other program is the Mom Two O Summit, and so you know when you have a like a Lee Jeans, like a denim den, and dads who I'll just speak for myself personally, I don't like shopping, but to be able to walk into like a Lee Jeans store have a soda or a beer, 
try a pair of pants on, have the person who actually designed the jeans there tell you, you know, why they fit a certain way or how they don't fit a certain way, um, and pick out a color and walk out with a couple pairs of jeans and a jean jacket is a really cool experience. Um, to be able to, for me, who never pampers myself, um, and I do a poor job of shaving myself, <laughs> but to have Dove Men Plus Care create like a barbershop experience and be able to get a hair trim or just a, like a professional shave with a blade, like that was great for me. That's, you know, a really authentic way for a brand to integrate itself into what's taking place at a conference. Right. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So let's let's go back a little bit to the whole idea of unplugging. Because yeah. I love that that came up at a dad conference. Um, because I actually think I think moms are just as guilty. I think everyone's plugged in all the time. Um, and I think you feel like it's your duty if you're at a conference to be tweeting and letting people know what's going on and what people are saying. You know, when, when my girls were little, there was always like the shame of the parent at the um, playground who was reading the paper. Because there was no... People didn't have iPhones yet, right? So, or you were texting, right. or you tell on the nanny who was texting. <laughs> now, every parent's on their smartphone at the playground, um, and I, it's weird that it flipped that way. That it flipped from being like, "Ooh, that's like the parent who's not paying attention to." That's taboo. Yeah, to now like, why are you on your smartphone? Like, check, checking what? <laughs> like, I don't know, but you are. You're looking at Facebook, or you're taking a picture of your kid and posting a picture of your kid. I'm mean, Katie Rossman had a great post, uh, actually an article in the Wall Street Journal a few years ago about living her entire life, like taking, noticing her kids through her screen mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than looking at them right in front of her. Yes. And it's still true. It, it's, you know, she caught it at the beginning, but that is still going on. So in your thoughts about unplugging, not just at a conference, yeah. but in life, what is it you want to do? What is it you're I mean, trying I, to I do? I think it's actually, I, I think the two are a really good parallel because when you're at a conference, you're at a conference to get away from, like most of us hide behind our PCs, right? And that's where we do our blogging or our writing or on social media. And then you go to a physical conference to meet all these people who also hide behind their PCs. So <laughs> now you're in a room with people face to face and yet I'm sitting with you and I'm probably texting you or I'm uh, you know, engaging with you via Twitter or Instagram. You know, it's about that quality time and the quantity time. And so, um, taking a step back and, and putting the lens on, on my home life, you know, when I got home, I mean, my phone just kept going off because I got all these notifications now that you're back from the conference. Everyone, you know, thank you this, and it was great to meet you that. And I'm playing soccer with my son last night when I got back, letting my wife watch the red carpet for the Oscars because that's her Super Bowl every year. And, you know, I like, I kicked the ball. It went too far. I'm checking my phone. And then for my son to be like, Get off the phone. You know, like I had to just put it in my pocket, turn the off button so I wouldn't feel the vibration in my pocket. But like that's what it took. And it's sad because I just had three and a half days where I wasn't with my family and I should just want to put my phone in a drawer and lock it up. Right. But, you know, it's like an addiction. And amazing when they actually say to you, put that phone away. It's like, wow, you get stepped up short. Yes. When when my six-year-old is able to... Um, process that 
you know, I'm on the phone and I'm not giving him the attention that he deserves. Um, you know, this is not a case where, you know, we've just spent three hours together. And I'm like, I have to do one email. That's that's one story. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's a, an extreme challenge for me. I mean, there's a lot of ways to move in the right direction. Um, I have uh, dinner with my son every single night, and I, you know, put the phone away. I shut the laptop. That's our time to kind of reflect on his school day. Um, that's our time to talk about what we're going to do on the weekend or what our next trip is. So that's valuable time for me, and I, I, I get that. But it's it's the other kind of moments that take place when, you know, even... Um, so here's a, a really sad example. So, uh, you know, we finished dinner last week, taking the garbage out, which... In Manhattan, just means that I'm going from my apartment <laughs> to the chute to about a hundred feet away to the garbage compactor chute, right. right? And so, I think I came back like four minutes later. My wife was like, "What took you so long? Like, was it hard to like jam it all that garbage <laughs> down the compactor?" I'm like, "No, someone put something funny on Facebook. Like, hey, look at this. Like, I just got sucked in." And so, I don't know. I'm, I'm facing this this very difficult challenge to. Um, balance work life and also the personal like funny things when your friends ping you with something funny. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My sister and I had this conversation last night because her two-year-old, they've stopped um, giving her the iPad. Just stopped. Cold turkey. They went over there and stopped. And I've had this discussion with other people where my sister's reading on her iPad, but your child doesn't know that's what you're doing on an iPad. They just know what an iPad is and what they use it for. And um, and we had this discussion because I started getting the physical paper delivered again on the weekend because I realized my daughters have no idea that I'm reading the New York Times on my tablet. They mm -hmm. think I'm playing Candy Crush, which I also might be doing. <laughs> I know you are. I see you doing it. <laughs> but, you know, you run out of those five lives very fast, and then you have to read. Um, mm. But getting the, I realized when I had the physical paper, my daughters read it. It was out. Yeah. It's there. They'll read it. Um, otherwise, they're reading BuzzFeed online, right? So there is something about modeling behavior, and it's hard to model anything on an electronic device because your kids have no idea what it is you're doing. So even if you feel like I'm reading the news, I'm yeah. it, so what? To them, it's all it's just a screen. And so I think it is worth kind of going backwards and like reading a physical book in front of your kid, getting physical magazines, getting newspapers, even though it seems like somehow wasteful or whatever, they don't they don't see that behavior otherwise. I, I mean, you're, you're certainly a few years ahead of us, um, but we were that household where our son didn't watch a drop of TV till he was three. You know, we really followed the Academy, the American Academy of Pediatrics. They, could, they only have it to two, but we're just like, what is he, if it's a matter of him spending an hour in front of the TV, and I'm home and I don't have a lot going on, I'd rather read him a book and or get down on the floor and build something with Legos um, and spend that time. But since he became three and we started to insert a little bit of TV um, and screen time, now, you know, we take a different direction. It's like he's, I go with his passion. So my son is obsessed with roller coasters right now and we'll use our iPad and we'll go onto YouTube and we'll watch videos, you know, that'll be his screen time when he gets home from school. After we do his homework, we'll do 20 or 30 minutes of screen time watching, you know, the biggest drops of roller coasters right. in, you know, on the West Coast, like at Magic Mountain, or, you know, sometimes we'll put in, you know, biggest ones in the world or tallest buildings. So I try to follow his interests at this point, but a lot of it, 
especially as a six-year-old, I try to do that together. So at least we're bonding together, and it's extremely easy for me to monitor what he's doing right. on the internet. Yeah, it's it's definitely gets harder as they get older, um, but uh, also more interesting. There's more interesting. I mean, my my daughter's been sick. We watched. 15 straight hours of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So. <laughs> and I'm happy to share that passion with her. Not but even Gilmore I Girl? was like, no more. No, I'm done with Gilmore Girls. We did the whole thing. Um, so Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's funny. I mean, it's uh, I didn't even think of it as scream time. Sick when you're sick, all bets are off. That's true. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to get you out of here so you can get to your pickup. Speaking of stay at home dad. Sure. <laughs> um, so let's move on. We're going to do our parenting bite of the week. Um, this is our one thing that every parent should read or download or know about. Um, Andrea, I'm going to start with you. You've been very quiet this hour. I've been quiet, so I'll tell you why I've been quiet. It's been like the infirmary here in my house. (laughs) Everyone uh, is sick. My husband has the flu. And so what I want to share really is so simple, but it's flu.gov. Because honestly, through this whole process, and flu is really scary, by the way, and this year the flu vaccine, which we all had, didn't do anything. Every doctor said that. Um, And it can be really, really scary. And there's so many questions that I had, like, how do I tell the difference between cold and flu? Or should I be on Tamiflu? Should my son be on it? Um, What should I expect? And flu.gov, though it's a government website, is a really comprehensive website for everybody who's sick right now, wondering, do I have the flu? What should I do? How long am I contagious? All kinds of great answers there. And it's a, I have to say, the, the user interface is really simple, easy to find information, and uh, it was a little bit of calmingness for me. That sounds good. I, my daughter's sick and I sent her to school today, so I'm hoping it's not the flu. <laughs> well, you know, you can look up on flu.gov, should I send my child to sick when they're to school when they're sick? I didn't have a fever. My rules, I don't know. My dad's a doctor, so I always feel like that makes me a doctor. So I'm like, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Take some Dayquil. Yeah. All right, Lance, what's your parenting bait? Um, I think for me, it would be uh, remiss if I didn't say um, to all those dads out there that should check out uh, the dad2summit.com. Um, Remember when they used to say that men who change diapers change the world? Well, they were onto something. And so I think the Dad 2 Summit um, is extremely progressive and can't wait to see what happens next year as they uh, assemble in Washington, D.C. Uh, next February 18th, I believe it is. Wow, that's great. All right, my bite of the week is the new YouTube for Kids app, which Yay. launches today, February 23rd. Um, we're actually going to have someone from YouTube on next week talking about the new app. Looks great. Um, I'm incredibly excited about it, as not as a parent, because my girls are 12, and there's no way in hell they're going to use it, but um, as an owner of a kid's website, because now we can actually build a channel and know that it will be in a safe place on YouTube and have it be public, which is something we um, have not done. Even though everyone else puts their kid content up, including Sesame Street, um, we did not like not being in charge of our ads and were worried about what would show up. So now we can actually have a Kids Views Kids channel on the YouTube app, which is super exciting. Um, and also, I just think this is what parents have been asking for. It's a walled garden. It's totally, you can turn off search, you can turn on a timer, so that app can be the bad guy. It sort of gives all those resources. It's only on Android right now. I can't imagine they're not going to roll it out for iOS since that's still the preferred family operating system. Um, But YouTube app for kids, and check it out and let us know what you think. 
And thank you, Lance. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, I I hope the little ones are on the mend soon. (laughs) Everyone on the mend. (laughs) And uh, you can check us out at facebook.com slash parentingbites and Parenting Bites on iTunes. Subscribe and rate us and review us so other people will find us. And Lance has a podcast, too, the Modern Dads Podcast. Um, Check them out at citydadsgroup.com, and they'll have a tab for the podcast, and you can find them on iTunes. And we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. We'll put all the links to all the things we talked about today on our Facebook page. I might steal the Dad 2.0 brochure from Lance right now so that we have all those links. Um, But thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you.